The Down for Disruption podcast may contain language and subject matter such as trauma, abuse, sexual violence, mental crisis, homelessness, and other sensitive topics that some may find unsettling or offensive. Views expressed by the host are not that of the Alive Network or its affiliates, nor is any commentary a substitute for medical or clinical advice and treatment. Listeners are welcome to explore the opinions and suggestions of any invited expert as they do so choose, but medical recommendations of any kind will not be made by any Alive Network party nor its affiliates. The Alive Network and its affiliates assume no responsibility nor liability for any undue distress or harm one should cause as a result of any spoken or written commentary by either the host or guests that listeners misinterpret or take out of context. We thank you for your support. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Down for Disruption, the safe sandbox for black and brown women over the age of 40 who are struggling to survive midlife events and a mental health diagnosis. It's a lot, y'all. I am your host, the menopausal misbehave her, AJ Wright's mental, that's W-R-I-T-E, mental. Here in the Safe Sandbox, we will heal, we will support one another. All of my magnificent melanin ladies and those who you know feel hopeless or think they're diagnosable. We're going to talk about generational trauma, family dysfunction, accountability, and hold each other's hands. You'll hear from some great therapists on the show. And hey, we're going to take notes and really, really support one another. So climb into the safe sandbox if you can relate. Whether your issue is hot flashes while going through bipolar episodes, generalized anxiety about about mammogram appointments, hell, dating after divorce and broken vibrators. Listen, down for disruption, we're going to talk about it all. We're going to get educated. We're going to have fun. And hopefully this is a place where you can self-soothe and self-care. Enjoy the show. All right, Sandbox champions, welcome back to the Down for Disruption podcast. Y'all know the routine. The safe sandbox for black and brown women over the age of 40 who are struggling to manage midlife and a mental health disorder. (laughs) Y'all, I'm so happy today. Want to know why? This is episode eight, part two. I know last week was wild. Pills, thrills, and vaginal spills. I mean, like, look, what do we say the whole show? I might be sick, but my vagina still works. Go check it out if you missed it. Now, today, we are in the presence of royalty for episode eight. I am so happy. Dr. Tracy Marks is, is I, I don't know, she's a Rembrandt. The woman teaches on YouTube. She has a membership thing that she does every month, which I am a part of, $20 well spent. It's, it's my substitute therapy. She She's on social media, enlightening the whole diaspora. She's in private practice. Lord have mercy. I think she drinks battery acid for breakfast. So that's why I wanted her as a forensic psychiatrist, and she can tell you what that is on today's show, all about meds, since we've been talking about meds the entire season. Episode eight, part two, managing meds, symptoms, 
and my marbles. How not to lose your mind? We have with us royalty, Dr. Tracy Marks. How you doing, Dr. Marks? I am great. I'm still amused by the vagina references. I don't know if I can top that up. <laughs> Oh yeah, this is an uncensored podcast. <laughs> and I don't, you know, when I saw my girlfriend, I said, "I'm going to do a podcast," and there, it's unfiltered and uncensored. And she said, "Lord, I, I, I hope those people don't have an aversion to Prozac because they're going to need it." <laughs> See, most of the times I behave. Let me tell y'all about Dr. Marks, and he, hear me, folks. This is the shortened version of her wonderfulness. Trust me, it's, it's about three and a half pages long because uh, she is that chick, okay? Dr. Tracy Marks is a respected psychiatrist, author, and YouTube creator with board certifications in general and forensic psychiatry. She has made significant strides in promoting mental health and wellness through her private practice, books, and popular YouTube channel. She is the author of Master Your Sleep 2008, Bipolar Basics 2021, and Why Am I So Anxious 2022, which I could have been the poster child for. These works provide valuable insights into various mental health conditions, emphasizing the link between mental wellness and sleep and offering practical strategies for managing symptoms and improving overall well-being. Dr. Marx's YouTube channel started in 2018 has garnered a significant following, I mean cult following, a Beyonce following, okay, for its easy to understand comprehensive coverage of complex mental health topics. In addition to her YouTube work and authorship, Dr. Marx maintains her psychiatric practice in Atlanta, Georgia, her holistic approach to mental health, and her dedication to public education have made her a respected figure in her fields and a valuable resource for those seeking to understand and improve their mental health. Sandbox champions, please welcome my favorite human in all of the world, Dr. Tracy Marks. How you doing, Dr. Marks? Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you for having me on your show. No problem. I mean, this here, if you thought episode six was wild, you know, as far as how triggering it could possibly be, yes, some folks might <laughs> twitch when they hear this one. Because, you know, sometimes meds can be a sensitive topic for folks. So let's dive right into the questions. And y'all know the drill. Get your pen, get your sparkly red pen and your journal, all that stuff. Get ready to write for some actionable steps. And the scenario we have today is wild. I'm pretty sure we all know a Nikki. So let's start from the beginning, Dr. Marks, for those who have been living under a cave. Uh, how do you define mental illness and what makes one diagnose a bull? You know, the, at least five of these symptoms, call a doctor. Yeah, that's a great question because we all have brains and we all have a range of emotions that we should expect to feel. Um, if something stressful happens, we should feel stressed, distressed, anxiety, fear. If something bad happens, we should feel sad. So all emotions are not pathological. Illnesses come about when you have a predominance of negative emotions and symptoms that cause dysfunction. With any of these disorders, there's criteria, there's lists of these are the typical symptoms that come with it. But then in addition to that, those symptoms need to cause a certain amount of 
dysfunction in areas of your life, like your occupation, your schooling, your personal relationships, and even like your personal grooming and self. So you can still feel, say, depressed, and I put depressed in air quotes, but still get up and go to work every day, still have relationships and still do things and not, and have it not be to the to the degree that it would be considered a disorder and something that you should get treatment for. Okay. Okay. And and that's the, the thing I try to stress to people sometimes, just because you have a diagnosis, right? That doesn't mean, or I like to say there's a difference between a mental health diagnosis and mentally ill. People hear mental illness and they think, you know, psychosis, the people who put the kids in the microwaves and who shoot up schools. I'm like, no, I have five diagnoses. Okay. I've never killed anyone. Hello. So let's talk about the brain. Cause you know, a lot of people have heard about the chemical imbalance theory, you know, both sides of the argument, but not that today. Just tell us uh, maybe a short dissertation about what exactly is going on in the human brain in terms of mental health challenges and impairment. Like maybe if you can give us a short version of what the four lobes do with respect to mental disorders. Yeah, sure. So I think you and I have similar backgrounds. I'm not from the Caribbean, but I'm from the South, where I grew up culturally, where there's not, boy, ain't nothing wrong with you. I mean, like you don't, if you have an emotional problem, you just need to get your act together and and you don't need to see a doctor for that. Or when it comes to therapy, why would you talk to a stranger about your problems kind mm-hmm. of thing? I, and unfortunately, that kind of mindset, even though I think we have evolved somewhat, I think we still kind of live in a, a mode of, well, everyone has emotions and if you just need to get your act together, um, you can control this, et cetera, et cetera. But what I tell people is the brain is an organ, just like the rest of your body. And if you accept that you can have physical disorders, like something wrong with your heart or your, your kidneys, then you ought to be able to accept that you can have something wrong with your brain. And since the brain controls everything, including your emotions, that if something's not right with your brain, it can affect how you behave and think. So there's legitimacy to things like depression being biological disorders and not just a failing of some sort or an inability to control yourself kind of thing. So back to your question, though, about uh, the four low, that's my little, that's my little soapbox on (laughs) giving respect to mental issues as not just behavioral or all within your control. Mm-hmm. So um, the main four lobes of the brain are the frontal lobes, which is like behind your forehead is where it's located. You've got the parietal lobes, which are on the sides of your brain or sides of your head. You can think of like above your ears, your temporal lobes, which are also on the sides And then you've got your occipital lobe, which is the back of your brain. The occipital lobe is primarily where you have your vision from, being able to see. Your frontal lobes is where you have things like uh, planning, attention, motivation, judgment, decision-making, alcohol, 
affects your frontal lobes and can disinhibit you from doing things or, or and allow you to do things that you wouldn't otherwise do or have emotional outbursts that you wouldn't otherwise have if you weren't under the uh, control of alcohol or the influence of alcohol. But so that's just an example of how changes in certain parts of the brain affect your behavior. Your temporal lobes are where you have some uh, emotional memory, like the hippocampus is one of the structures there where you get where emotional memories are stored. What would be an emotional memory just a, versus a regular memory? Trauma creates strongly ingrained or implanted or imprinted memories because they're associated with a strong emotion of how something made you feel. And then you remember that event. Now, sometimes you have a distorted way you remember it, but nonetheless, that's what I mean by an emotional memory versus just a run-of-the-mill, I did dishes yesterday, trying to remember that fact. Mm. And then the parietal lobe is not at, not that related or, or I guess not as relevant to psychiatry or psychology as some of the other lobes, but there you get things like spatial sense, being able to know where your body is in relation to other things around you, um, not getting mm -hmm. lost, things like that. Okay. I want to talk about, you know, the command center is how I have always been taught. And, and folks, I am not a clinician. I bring them on the shows. I'm a health educator, but I'm not a clinician. But the brain just fascinates me. And I've said it before, I'll say it again. I have learned more from Dr. Tracy Marks and her YouTube videos about my health and my brain and my diagnoses in the last year and a half than I have over, what, 18 years of being diagnosed. I mean, she's good. What is going on in the prefrontal cortex? I know you said that is responsible for, I think you said, you know, organization, planning, you know, all of this everyday stuff. When we see these wild behaviors, and I got an episode for Arrested Development Trust, you know, just grown folks acting a fool or the aggression, you know, and especially our people, say the last 10, 15 years, everybody's in Walmart and Waffle House fighting. What is going on in a prefrontal cortex or wherever when we see things like violence, distress, persistent anger, enlighten us? Sure. Okay. So the prefrontal cortex, when I was talking about the lobes, I mentioned the frontal lobes, which is behind your, your forehead. But within mm -hmm. that is a, a section of the frontal lobes, which is the prefrontal cortex. So forget about mm -hmm. prefrontal. It doesn't necessarily make sense to people, but that's just what it's called. And where what that section of the brain houses is the area that controls executive functions. Executive functions are things like being able to plan ahead, having foresight to anticipate things, being able to pay attention even, having motivation to do things, being able to use good judgment, being able to inhibit behaviors that are unacceptable and even recognize something that, sh that would be, say, socially unacceptable and be able to inhibit that kind of behavior. Mm -hmm. People with ADHD, attention deficit disorder, have less dopamine activation in certain parts of their frontal lobe, which then is what makes it hard to focus for long periods of time 
um, not be easily distracted or even be motivated to do work. But ADHD is not the only outcome or negative outcome that you can have if you have problems with your with your prefrontal cortex. And the anger and the disinhibition and impulsivity stuff with outbursts and fighting and stuff like that is also can be affected or can be the result of impairment in this area without it necessarily being a disorder per se. So okay. certain personalities, people with, with certain personalities, people can have trouble with emotion regulation. And it, the gist of it, when it comes, you mentioned um, the chemical imbalance idea. That's something that uh, we used to say probably 20 years ago. We've been evolving in how we see the genesis or the origin of mental disorders. But it, we would say that depression, anxiety, all these things are based on inadequate chemicals in your brain, like serotonin, norepinephrine, dopamine. Those are kind of the main neurochemicals that are associated with mental issues. Well, that's still kind of true. We have, like with the ADHD, person has less dopamine in certain parts of the brain that, that they need to be able to function with motivation and all these things. But the problem is not just low brain chemicals. The problem comes from how the brain is wired. So when nerves start separating and not wiring well together, then you don't get, you don't get good transportation of information from one nerve to the next. So that's kind of, in a nutshell, how these disorders come about, whether it be depression, whether it be anxiety, whether it be psychosis, it's at the base or at the origin of it is thought to be poor wire connections in the brain, for lack of a better way to say it. Okay. So there's always an argument to or yay or nay when it, it, it comes to psychiatry and psychology and all of that. And some people are for meds, some people are against. How do meds exactly work for, say, mental health disorders? And why are so many with side effects prescribed? If I hear about another Prozac lawsuit, I'm just going to go hide under the bed. <laughs> okay. Well, so the, how the medications work do vary depending on the disorder. And I don't want to get too complicated here, but let's mm. just take depression as an example. So with depression, people who are depressed, we have seen through functional scans that there is low serotonin, norepinephrine, and dopamine in certain parts of the brain. So that's where, so even though the cause is not just low brain chemicals, that really the cause is because there's this loose wiring and then you get less production of these chemicals. The solution primarily has been medications that elevate these levels, that elevate these chemicals back to the normal level. So you don't have enough serotonin, you take a serotonin enhancing medication that gives you more serotonin in certain parts of the brain, and then that can reverse the depression. Okay. Treatments are now, I know this is not quite what you're asking, but I just, I can't help myself. <laughs> Treatments are now transitioning away from just replacing brain chemicals, which is like putting a Band-Aid on something, 
to trying to get at rewiring. And those treatments are things like psychedelics, which aren't quite here yet. There's a new medication out called Ovelity, which is trying to address this wiring issue. So there's newer treatments that are on the horizon that are that should and are, are we are hoping are better at looking at the origins and, and addressing, correcting the origin problem. That said, yes, any pill you take can have a side effect, even Tylenol. And some of the, these medications have less side effects than others. The general antidepressants that increase serotonin like Prozac, Lexapro, Zoloft, they are considered to have low side effect potential, but they can still they can still have side effects. And whether or not you experience them depends on your metabolism. So some people are more sensitive to these medications and kind of the common side effects they can have are gastrointestinal. So you can feel nauseous, have diarrhea, constipation, things like that, dry mouth. Sometimes they can affect your sex drive or your ability to to climax. Usually that's a deal breaker, especially for the men. <laughs> like, nope. Well, see, we have the rose now. So that just means you need to try harder. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. So the thing though is, is that taking these medications really kind of boils down to a weighing risks versus benefits. So for some people, mm -hmm. they can take these medications and it makes all the difference in the world for them. It's like the lights turn on, the, and I'm talking, let's say depression here, the clouds go mm -hmm. away, they feel great, but maybe they still have, say, nausea from time to time. Okay, they, they're willing mm -hmm. to put up with that because of how, how much better they, they feel. And, mm -hmm. and this issue of do I take medication versus not kind of speaks to how the extent to which the illness or the problem affects you. So depression, as an example, again, is more than just feeling sad. It affects, um, it can affect you physically. So people cannot sleep. They can, they cannot have an appetite to eat. They can sit there in the bed and just not be able to get up and like physically feel like they can't move. That's different from the person who wakes up feeling in a funk, but then listens to some music, starts getting ready for work, and then they're they're fine. Mm. Okay, and I, I know we're a little short on on time today, so I'm just gonna y'all know me in the scenarios, and I know people keep telling me to tag Tyler Perry. I, I I I don't know where I get this stuff. I told you all, my head is a jigsaw puzzle that somebody threw a stick of dynamite at. I'm sorry, but before we get into today's scenario. Dr. Marks did a phenomenal job with her videos. And I mentioned this to you all before, uh, how ADHD, and this is the reason why I don't want to do a live show because y'all will be too busy looking at me not being able to sit still instead of hearing what I have to say. How ADHD is different, um, you know, in the behavior, in the this, in the that of adults versus children. I'm going to try to tag that. Well, you can't hit play with the videos on YouTube, but trust me. Dr. Marks, tell us how you know, the difference, just a couple of differences in adults 
and how they are affected or how we are affected differently than children with ADHD. And I'll combine the next question, explain what's going on in the brain versus what people see. And you did a great job of that in your video. Like you see adult who's a slob, but really what's going on is this. You see a person who's disorganized, but really what's going on is this. So yeah, tackle that for me before we get into our scenario. Sure. So I think one of the the two key differences that you see with adults over children is more problems in the executive functions. So things like time management. Um, So yeah, a child with ADHD can have trouble managing their time as well, but then they've got parents who are kind of doing that for them. So it may not be as a parent that they have this problem versus the adult who is always late for work or always late turning things in. And it can appear as though they just don't care. They don't care about nobody but themselves because they're always late. Well, but they're not intentionally trying to be late. There's a, there's, we have this term time blindness where they just don't have a concept of, I just sat here for 20 minutes and they thought it was only five minutes. They're like, well, I'm coming. I'm coming right now. Well, you said that 20 minutes ago. Anyway, uh, another, <laughs> is that you? <laughs> yeah, I, um, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> I love these snippets and, and there's certain things I want to record, you know, just mainly because you're awesome. Sandbox Champions, we are listening today to forensic psychiatrist, Dr. Tracy Marks. She's so super awesome. This question here, we are talking about ADHD and the differences, you know, in adults and young people. And Dr. Marks really made a good point. Parents may not pick it up in kids because, hey, kids are hyper. The parents have to do for the children. You know, yeah, it might go over their heads. I'm paraphrasing. But with adults, we have to do for ourselves so ADHD symptoms and behaviors will be picked up automatically. So I, I'm sorry, Dr. Marks, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just, I, I want folks to know what's going on on the Down for Disruption podcast today. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah. It, it In the adults, it ends up, there's a lot more judgment about it and it can be conceived as just someone who not only is lazy, but just is inconsiderate of other people. Because if you really cared, then you could know that you need to show up on time instead of always being 30 minutes late. Another mm-hmm. area that tends to be more uh, prevalent or prominent, I guess, in the adult with ADHD versus the child is the emotion dysregulation. So... Mm. We know that that's a part of ADHD. It's not uh, listed as a criteria, though. But people with Mm. ADHD can have trouble regulating their emotions, not to the same degree of someone, say, with bipolar disorder, because we're not talking about mania or depression. We're talking about the normal ups and downs, ebbs and flow of your emotions. So adults with ADHD and children can have trouble managing their emotions and feeling really low, but then that just kind of go away in a day or two, such that it's not major depression per se, but still they had, you know, days of just not feeling well or not feeling motivated. And a lot of these things can overlap as well. So the problems with motivation and being able to execute and follow through can then affect the person's self-esteem, they can start feeling like they're never really going to succeed. They can't, they're not very smart. 
I, it makes me very sad to hear adults tell me that all, all these years they'd never thought they were smart. Why? Mm. Because by the standards used in schools today, they don't perform well. And so if you don't perform well, then you're at the bottom and, you know, and, and subject to judgment and including self-judgment. Okay. Cause see me, I, I, you know, when I hear ADHD, I just think hyper people who need Ritalin. That's what the media has fed us. And I'm learning more and more and more about heck probably was what has been going on with me my whole life. And I didn't know it. So when I see your video oh, and, and your, your videos on YouTube where you teach so well and you break down, you know, hyper or what is it? Concentration or whatever, inattentiveness versus the other one. And I'm like, well, hell, I have both. I tend to start things around the house and don't realize that I didn't finish it. I mean, I've got the sink on in the kitchen while I'm in the bathroom brushing my teeth and then clothes in the washer that I haven't started. And then I'm outside getting the mail. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm trying to figure out just all the stopping and stopping and stopping, stopping and starting. Is is that also a, a part of the ADHD? Because I've had head trauma from seizures. Remember, I told you I've had 22 concussions. So it's hard to know if, if it is mental going on with me or epilepsy. What do you think? Right. Well, that's that's actually a great point, because if you have a uh, another brain issue that affects your impulsivity and judgment and things like that, that can worsen any attention deficit issues that you have and and make it even and make it even worse or make it more of a problem for you. So like you were talking about the kind of getting stuff started all the and having all these unfinished things, that can be pretty typical of someone with ADHD of easily being distracted to move on to something else or not being able to see something through to completion. Then if you add on top of that some other issue like a seizure disorder or something else that impairs your ability to stay attentive to something, then that can just make that even worse. As far as uh, one other thing I wanted to mention about the difference between the kids and adults is in the area of hyperactivity. So with the hyperactivity, um, in a child, that may look more like running around, you know, all the things with that, you know, with the energy that children have that adults we just don't have anymore. So, you know, you're not going to see an adult running around in the house, but they may talk too much, talk excessively. You could be in the presence of someone with ADHD adult who has hyperactivity and just feel like exhausted talking to them because it just seems like it's a motor running that won't stop. It could also manifest as things like fidgeting. That's why those fidget spinners came out and were so popular at the time. But fidgeting, shake leg shaking, you know, at a desk when you're talking. Now, that's not all ADHD. For some people, that's a self-soothing thing. So, you know, you know, there's multiple reasons people can do that. But those are some examples of how hyperactivity can show up in an adult versus a child. Got it. Okay. And we don't have time to go into this today, but I will tell the people all the time, out of all the 5% of the Black clinicians that are out there, it is an even smaller number who specialize in conduct disorders, right? Like borderline personality disorder. Uh, I would like to say not in the books. The Dr. Marks wrote the book on it, okay? And I hope she comes out with a borderline book soon because... Yeah, it's it's difficult. 
for me to explain. And I don't know if um, they're still going by the nine traits and, you know, the um, you have to have like five of them. And the hallmark symptom is real or imagined fear of abandonment and, you know, um, a maladaptive pattern of unstable relationships, yada, yada, yada. Y'all going to love this scenario today. Nikki, we all know a Nikki. Somebody just is angry, pissed off. You say good morning. What do you mean good morning? Yeah, them people, that one pissed off auntie that we all have, just disgruntled for no reason. Yeah, we're going to get into Nikki right quick. Dr. Marks, do you remember me sending that to you? I do. That was quite a scenario, and that's not... I've seen that multiple times, so it's not like that's just some fantastical story. But yeah, mm-hmm. go ahead. Yeah, and, and like I said, that's why I try to write these stories with enough over 40 problems and trauma going on at the same time because my audience is women over 40. We are Gen Xers. We were survivalists. We were left alone. We went outside till like 7 o'clock at night like we got a job or something. And unfortunately, especially us girls being left unsupervised, the men in our family had a damn field day. And now we're all in therapy or we're all angry or, you know, we're all something. So let's get into Nikki. Nikki got issues, y'all. Let's get into Nikki. Okay. We're going to do this uh, scenario and, you know, to get a professional, Dr. Tracy Marks, opinion about the angry Black woman and, you know, what could possibly be going on? No, that that angry black woman trope. So I have written a Nikki scenario with enough trauma and enough over 40 stuff to be going on to make it relevant to this show. Because like I always say, guys, I know this stuff relates to at least somebody out there. So don't feel bad if you're a Nikki. There is help. Okay. Today we meet Nikki. God help us. Nikki is a 41-year-old Black woman and is on-again, off-again obese. She likes to say that food tends to find its way to her faster than the bill collectors. She struggled with compulsive eating since childhood. Nikki is single and has no kids. She also doesn't have very many friends because she says the world is full of fake people and no one understands her. It's everybody else's fault. The general consensus is, however, that Nikki is just batshit crazy and the source of her own problems. Now, Nikki is very sensitive and highly emotional for her age. She cries at the drop of a hat and has anger outbursts often. Let her tell it. There are people in the world who just wake up with the intentions of hurting her. Hmm especially men. Nikki has a very volatile relationship history. She tried to set one ex's car on fire for cheating. Two other exes made her made her put cyanide in their beer. Another guy she truly loved lied about being engaged. Nikki was crushed. That last one lied about being married. She even accidentally learned that he was bisexual. Please don't ask. Nikki has been sexually assaulted twice, but is somehow terrified of being without a man. She once had truth or dare sex in the employee parking lot, right? With Mo. So he would unblock her from all of his social media accounts. Nikki was about two steps from stalking him. Nikki got fired from that job for returning from lunch late. Then she cursed out her manager. Nikki lost a job 30 days before that for sleeping in the bathroom. She has chronic insomnia and migraines. Her boss yelled so loudly. So she replied, 
I don't care. I wouldn't piss down your throat if your liver was on fire anyway. So, yeah, she got fired. She also got mad when that same boss declined her offer for a blowjob. Now, a tip agency banned Nikki from all future gigs for stealing food from the employee fridge. Nikki said that wasn't her fault either because they denied her a lunch break in the first place simply because Molly called out sick. Now, the team lead had already written up Nikki twice in the past. So Nikki didn't care. She just stormed out screaming. Now, the 7-Eleven job that she had, the district manager, he was pissed off at her. He said her her performance was always half-assed. And she tried to go upside his head with a coffee pot because he joked about her being 7-Eleven's biggest mistake. Right? Isn't that mean? So, and, and really, it, it actually hurt her feelings. But still, he tried to call the cops. Now, Nikki has to be careful driving, too. Why? She got caught doing 60 in a 20 right? Nikki is short on rent right now, but she's hoping for a job and her first days so she's getting caught up on bills all before the first. Now, Nikki promises this next job she's not going to punch any more walls nor slap any more security ladies ever again. She needs insurance for a mammogram, right? Breast cancer runs in her mama's family. So she really, really needs this job to come through. Dr. Marks, I hope you're recording. (laughs) What is the deal with Nikki's anger problem? What the hell is wrong with her? And could she possibly have borderline personality disorder? We're going to have to have you come back. What's up with the nine traits and and all of that? And What's Nikki's problem? (laughs) Yeah, so Nikki has is seriously impaired, and I make that judgment based on just how many jobs she's lost and what seems like her inability to connect her behavior to consequences. Like she still keeps doing the same things over and over, things that are way over the top. I mean, it's one thing to have blowups, but it's another thing to be that aggressive and even that inappropriate with, you know, the blowjob stuff and things like that. Like it seemed it, on the, from an outsider's point of view, it would seem like she's really missing some judgment <laughs> genes or, you know, she's, she's having trouble even seeing that her behavior is extreme. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I would do with her is get some more information from her about what she was thinking during some of her things that she was doing, like asking for a blowjob and things like that, to get an idea of how realistic she thought her requests were or how appropriate or inappropriate she realized her behavior was. Some people can do these things and not see what the problem is. So I would want to know how much insight does she have? about her behavior. Another person can blow up and recognize that their blow up is inappropriate and that people aren't going to like being around them when they act this way, but they still can't help it. That person actually is further ahead because at least they recognize that part of the problem is them and it's not just other people. So the first step would be in helping Nikki recognize her contribution to the problems. I would question if I were just kind of, well, I did just hear this, but like if if someone were telling me this about her, if she were giving me this history, 
I would question if there's even something more uh, going on other than her personality. Because yes, people with borderline personality disorder can have a lot of trouble getting along with people and and making similar similar kind of poor decisions. But some of the behavior seems even above even, say, borderline personality disorder, like bipolar disorder, as an example. With bipolar disorder, you can, you can, a person can have both. We call it border polar. It's hard to say. Wow. Where your baseline personality is, is borderline personality, where you have the fears of abandonment. You've got emotional dysregulation, just kind of at a baseline level, up and down moods can easily be triggered to something. But then on top of that, you have a more, I guess, serious or impactful emotional pathology that takes your baseline behavior and just kind of ramps it up even more. So for example, if someone is manic and they're all, they're revved up, Often in a manic state, people can have limited ability to make good decisions or poor judgment, impulsivity, just kind of do something off the cuff. So you take someone who's already has trouble with boundaries and knowing what's appropriate and then put have them be in a state where they have mania on top of that, they can do some really outrageous things. But yeah, if we had just assumed that this is all borderline personality disorder, you didn't ask this, but often it's not uncommon that people with borderline personality disorder have a history of trauma or a history of neglect, which is traumatizing as well. We typically think trauma, we think that someone assaulted you or or physically did something to you or emotionally something to you, whereas neglect is trauma that's more passively induced. So you weren't necessarily Mm -hmm. attacked, but you weren't loved and you weren't given the tools that you needed to be able to interact appropriately with people. Okay. I thank you so much for stopping by today. I I want you to come back and address something. And and there was a reason why I threw the blowjob thing in there because what people don't understand and I've gotten this question before because um, I was a terrible nympho in my 20s, is, okay, you've been sexually assaulted. You hate men. You've been molested since you were six. Why would you turn around and be a nympho? That doesn't make sense. Just like Nikki clearly has a history of trauma and now she's got behavioral problems. That's like a medical issue. So where does offering your boss who just fired you a blowjob How's that medical? That just seems like a bad decision and a desperate attempt to keep your job. I will have you come back and answer that one. We're going to have to have you come back before the end of the fall and tell folks how they can find you on social media and all the fun stuff you're doing. So my community that you mentioned called the Mental Wellness Space, and that's Mm -hmm. located at mentalwellnessspace.com. And that 
basically that we have live streams twice a month, a workshop that where I go into detail on a specific topic, uh, monthly challenges. So it's a place where people managing a mental issue can get support and additional education. Then there's YouTube where I is my main social media location and my My channel name is my name, Dr. Tracy Marks, and that's T-R-A-C-E-Y, and then Marks. And I'm also on Instagram and TikTok with the same handle, Dr. Tracy Marks. Okay, now Marks Psychiatry is in Atlanta. Are you, I I ask every guest these, these last, these same three questions. Are you taking new patients as you are for telehealth? What insurances do you accept and and do you accept a sliding fee scale? Because, you know, a lot of us mental folks are on disability. So tell the folks, how did they get to your office? Okay, so sorry to say it this way, uh, but I am not taking new patients. I have been seeing patients for over 25 years. I am at a point in my career where I'm trying to do other things if my practice was full, I wouldn't have time to be on your show today because I'd be seeing <laughs> patients. <laughs> so, so I want to I want to have space to uh, to explore other things and um, and in the education space, I'm really enjoying. So I have to make space mm-hmm. to do that. So no, I'm not taking new patients. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, we love you anyway. We're going to have to have you back. This is our favorite, melanated, magnificent, all hail the queen, Dr. Tracy Marks. Thank you so much for stopping by the Safe Sandbox today. And and yeah, just I'm going to stalk your email. <laughs> I will be sending you something. Do you have any parting words for all the Nikki's out there who are struggling, especially those who can't afford therapy? Ah, well, I think, I guess my parting words would be to, if you want to have better relationships, you have to look at your contribution. And the Nickies don't, usually don't see themselves as doing anything wrong. Or if they, they might say, well, yeah, I blew up, but it was because this person did this and that and the other. And Mm -hmm. if you, if you, you got to recognize but it's not working. Like that logic is not working. That logic of externalizing blame. That's the psychological term for that. But I was just about to say it. (laughs) (laughs) So a a good start is to, is to be able, is to change your perspective and give it a chance to explore what is your contribution to whatever situation happened that was negative. If you've lost multiple jobs, what what can you change? Because you can't change other people. You can only change yourself and how people respond to you because of how you change. So that's the place to start is looking at yourself and your contribution and what you can do differently. Cool. Our superhero has spent the day with us. <laughs> Thank you so much, Dr. Marks. And we'll we'll definitely have to have you back. I mean, like, yeah, you're my favorite human. Thank you. Thanks so much, AJ. I really appreciate it. Another day of healing on the books, my sandbox champions. We did it, ladies. Did y'all enjoy today's episode? Hey, listen, shoot me an email at lowercase letter, idisrupt at disruption.buzz. 
iDisrupt at disruption.buzz. Of course, we're starting a buzz. I'd love to hear from each and every last one of y'all. Now, again, while I... AJ, do not give clinical advice. We we do welcome your feedback here about the show. Any thoughts on, you know, how you're currently healing or adjusting the diagnosis? Anything you want to share? Maybe a, a testimony or anything like that? Or heck, maybe just one event. Look, AJ, I get it. Life is lifing, right? Perhaps you've already started some type of uh, self-repair routine that you want to share, okay, let us know. And and where are my generational curse breakers? <laughs> Y'all better pull up. Anybody having that tough conversation with mama or somebody else who looked the other way? Breathe. I get it. I get it. And we are all in the safe sandbox to heal together. Be sure to subscribe to Down for Disruption on the Alive podcast app on iOS and Android, where you can support this podcast monthly and and share your favorite moments there as well. Follow Down for Disruption on Instagram at Down for Disruption. Once again, the Down for Disruption podcast is the safe sandbox for black and brown women over the age of 40 who are struggling to manage midlife while battling a mental health diagnosis. We are out here, ladies. Thank you so much for your time as usual. I had a blast. I am your favorite menopausal misbehave her. AJ Wright Mental, that's W-R-I-T-E Mental. See you in the sandbox next Saturday at 1 o'clock Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Have a good Saturday, y'all. Bye-bye.